millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent hum day edition of the yard. I'm a little hoarse today. Maybe you can tell. It's because I sat behind home plate last night and I gave the uh, umpire the absolute business. And I got to start the maroon and whites here once and let's go state. I don't know, ordinarily get to sit in the stands, but uh, my wife was here for her first college game in two years. So I went with her. I didn't sit on press row. Didn't do post game, uh, but we'll get through the show. We'll be, we'll be fine. We'll make it. But uh, it was a lot of fun. Got a chance to meet some Boneyard listeners and uh, you know, kind of visit for a little while. But the bottom line is we won a ball game. It was a good day for Mississippi State sports on, uh, on Tuesday. Maybe not with the style points we wanted, but we got a couple of big dubs. And uh, we're happy to have those. And we'll kind of look forward to the, uh, the week that is, is. You know, things are starting to wind down in many respects. But the reality of it is, is we're playing important ball games right now on the court. We're figuring out some things with baseball right now. And uh, last night was a struggle. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, in really in the next segment of the show. Fortunate to win that baseball game. Let's take a quick look around the league. It was a busy night in SEC baseball play last night. Missouri, 17-2 winners over Lindenwood. 70 would be a record, right? Uh, Georgia gets by Presbyterian, 11-6. Alabama, 17-3 winners over Jacksonville State. Kentucky, 15-1 winners over Moorhead State. South Carolina, 11-3 over NCA&T. Tennessee had a little bit of a tussle, but uh, did okay. Six to one winners over Charleston Southern. Louisiana Tech beats Ole Miss six to five. Vanderbilt has to uh, have a late rally there to get by Austin P eleven to seven. Florida beats Jacksonville. The Dolphins, the former home of Scotty DeBrule, eighteen to eight. Texas A&M blasts Houston Christian twenty three to nothing. I'm not sure if that's a high school or not. LSU gets by Texas 3-0, and I saw a tweet. I haven't gone back and verified the information myself, but like Texas is like 0 for 9 in their last games against the SEC. You remember dating back to the 2021 College World Series, you know, we kind of had their number two, but uh, beginning to hear some rumblings that David Pierce might be in a little trouble out there in Austin. We'll see how things go. And, of course, your Bulldogs, 10-9 winners over Southern Miss. Always good to get that win. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how good Southern Miss is. I know that they've been ranked. I know that a lot of people are thinking, and I, you've heard it. If you live in Mississippi, you've heard it. Well, State's 1-1, Ole Miss is 1-1. Uh, now we need Southern Miss to win one. Well, number one, I don't think that's true. I don't think we need that. I think some people want that. I think there are some people that still subscribe to the big three in Mississippi thing. Um, I don't, even though I have a lot of respect for a Coach Scott Berry and a Southern Miss college baseball program, I do. I just don't think they're on this level. I think maybe their best chance was last year. They just happened to run into Ole Miss 
who ended up winning the national championship. But at that point, did anybody expect Ole Miss? No, right? And you thought Southern Miss probably in their own ballpark after beating LSU, maybe it was their year to get to Omaha. But, uh, but I don't know how good they are. I mean, after watching them in person last night, and of course it's a snapshot. I mean, it's just one game, right? I don't know. that Some of the approaches at the plate leave a lot to be desired. Even though I thought State uh, you know, didn't produce an offensive masterpiece, I, I thought that our approach at the plate was much better. And I think that showed in the later innings, and we'll get to that you know, in the next segment of the show. But I, I think Southern Miss is a good team, and in their league they'll be really good. I, I just – anybody expecting them to make it to Omaha this year I think is really kind of kidding themselves. I, I just – when you look at what happened over the weekend against Illinois, they give up 35 runs. They give up 10 last night. So this is a pitching staff that's given up 45 runs in the last four games. That's not winning baseball at any level. And it's not like they played LSU. They played Illinois and they played Mississippi State that was uh, living off midweek pitching. But 45 runs in four games, that's a lot of runs to give up. It is. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I might swing in there today, matter of fact. I try to get in there every week when I can, even though there is always Bulldog Burger Company food here in the house because Ian brings it home. And uh, sometimes I want to go sample it. But I don't. I show a lot of respect for the fact that it's his. He rarely ever offers to pick me up any, so I gotta, I'm got i on my own. And maybe your situation is similar. You need to go by and see Bulldog Burger Company yourself. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark, Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. You'll be glad you did. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Doesn't matter if it's the Mission. Doesn't matter if it's a Freshman 15, which I've been craving here as of late. Could be the Bryant, the Lauren. Go find your own new favorites. Maybe shake things up next time at your Ed Bulldog Burger Company and get that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. I'm a big proponent of dessert to go, for sure. And also a reminder, too, there will be some tap takeovers here in the uh, next few weeks. We'll keep you apprised of that happy hour every day. Be sure and go by and check out those happy hour specials. Whether it's a night out with friends or a night out with family, Bulldog Burger Company has exactly what you need. They will cure what ails you. Bulldog Burger Company, a place for people to go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's jump into this ballgame. Uh, I was there sitting behind home plate. Many of you saw me and felt the need to uh, tweet me or send me pictures. I know what I look like, but I appreciate uh, every bit of that. But uh, it seemed like we got off to a pretty good start here. You know, Pitching-wise, you know, Bradley Lofton started for us. And listen, I think Bradley Lofton is going to be an absolute dude at Mississippi State. And I think that's a big win for him, even though he didn't get credit for the win. It's a good experience to go out there and pitch you know, against a team that's got some College World Series, NCAA tournament experience. It is a veteran lineup for Southern Miss. It is. And it feels like the Montenegro family has been there since I was there. All right, so we open up, of course, State's a home team, and uh, Bradley walks the first guy he faces and then walks the second guy he faces. So back-to-back walks to open the game. We get a ground ball. We force the runner uh, at second and uh, unable to, uh, to turn that. And then Sargent gets a strikeout swinging. Uh, we get a stolen base there, and then we get you in the strikeout looking. So while the inning started poorly, it ended pretty well. And I thought, okay, well, maybe Lofton will go ahead and settle down here. 
Uh, not much going on for State in the bottom of one. Uh, Larry tries to get the bunt down. Uh, pushes it too much to the pitcher. Didn't get it really more down the third baseline. A little bit more there, you might beat that thing out. Led better and lines out to left on a full count. They walk DJ and then walk Hancock. So we got a little bit of a two-out rally here, and you're hoping, okay, listen, let's break through here. Uh, Slate strikes out swinging on three pitches. Takes a couple, gets a K. So both teams walk two hitters in the first frame and need your score. And you know how that works. I mean, you're just flirting with disaster. Walks get you beat. Montenegro singles to left center on a full count. Thought we had a chance to finish this one. You know, but hey, I will tell you this. I'd rather the guy hit a single to left center than to walk. You got to go out there and compete, and it often will. Uh, Johnson then grounds out to the catcher. It basically serves like a bunt. It, 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 there wasn't the intended purpose, but uh, just kind of a little number out there that uh, Ross Highfield takes charge of, and we throw him out at first, and then next thing you know, we're hitting Lynch. 2-1 count, we hit Lynch. And then we walk Creek Robertson. Loads of bases. Very similar to the first inning. You begin to ask yourself, are we going to be able to navigate through this again? Well, no. No, we don't. We get a ground ball to first, and uh, Luke goes to second. Now, the run is going to score here, unless we, you know, turn a miraculous double play. And I don't think that Lofton was there in time to cover the bag anyway. The ball ends up in left field. It's a two-run score. And then we walk Dickerson, and uh, we, we finally get a double play here. Great turn here. It is the 4-6-3 uh, to get out of the play. This could have been a huge inning for Southern Miss. But give Lofton some credit, despite the fact that he got in a little trouble here. He's able to roll up some ground balls here and allow his defense to work for him. But, again, not a great start. We're down 2 nothing. State rallies and answers here in the bottom of, of two. Hunter Hines flies out to center. Kellen Clark works for a base on balls. And then Highfield singles to left center. And Ross Highfield, I told you guys weeks ago, this kid's going to be a star at Mississippi State, maybe sooner rather than later. Highfield singles to left center. Runners at first and second. And then Lane Forsythe, the much maligned Lane Forsythe, who's having some much better at-bats here the last week or so, works for a base on balls here to load the bases with nobody out. They bring in uh, – the Monster kid from Northwest Rankin in relief of uh, Martin. So base is loaded here. The very first pitch goes back. You know, it's like you start looking at this. This is a kid that um, has got a lot of talent in a tough situation here. And he comes out there and throws the first pitch strike. I, I respect it. I do. This is a kid that doesn't have a lot of experience on the college level in a, in a very difficult situation in a ball game that everybody remembers. And he comes out here and he competes and he gets ahead 0-2, but he ends up walking in a run here. So now it's 2-1. And then you've got to face arguably one of the hottest hitters in the Southeastern Conference in Colton Ledbetter. First pitch strike again. I respect it. And then Colton rips this ball into the right center field gap. Three-run score. It's now a 4-2 ball game. Uh, Dakota Jordan comes right back behind him, singles in the right field. Now it's a 5-2 ball game. And then DJ gets thrown out at second. I don't know if he didn't get a good jump here, but it seemed like when I look up, I see the catcher pop. I couldn't believe how long he had to go because Dakota Jordan's a really, really fast human being. But they get him, and then Luke flies out to left. So five runs in the frame, 
when you start thinking, you know, this is a Southern Miss pitching staff that uh, has not been especially dominant. So if we can get into this bullpen in the midweek side, maybe we got a chance to get a little separation. Right, Bradley Lofton then comes out here and puts together a great half inning. It's a one, two, three, and he gets Sergeant Ewing and Montenegro, and those are guys that've got a lot of Division One at bats underneath their belt. We go one, two, three here, and then State comes out in the bottom of third. We get a leadoff walk, and then Hines is hit by the pitch, and you're thinking, okay, we're fixing to break this thing open, and I thought we were. Kellum flies out, Highfield strikes out swinging, and then Lane pops up to the third baseman. So you have two runners on with nobody out, and we and we don't do anything with it. We don't even advance them. That's going to happen sometimes in baseball, but when you, when you're trying to get some separation and put the game away, this is that bottom of third is an inning. We had to we had to get some things happen. Top of four, Lawson comes back out here. We walk Johnson. We get Lynch to strike out swinging on three pitches, and then Creek Robertson walks. And I immediately turned to my wife and I said, "Don't let him back in the ball game," because it kind of felt like we were in control here. And then we go right back out there and gift them a situation. And unlike us, in the bottom of third. Southern Miss cashes in here. Edsel lines out the center, and then Dickerson doubles down the left field line. Great effort there, but just a well-struck and well-placed ball. Two-run score, and then we get Patow to ground out to first unassisted. But now Southern's back in the ballgame. And this is when you've got to put your throat, your, your foot on people's throat. I say that with this raspy voice. But when you go out there and you get some separation in the game, you got to get back in the dugout. You have to. And Lofton will be better for this. He's going to be a dude. I'm not the least bit worried about him. Not, not at all. All right, bottom of four. State kind of gets back in the mix here. We answer with a run of our own. Amani Larry pops up outside of first, just in front of the Southern Miss dugout, and they can't make the play. Well, you know how the baseball guys work, right? You don't make the basic play, they make you pay. And Imani Larry hit one of the longest home runs I've ever seen hit at Trustmark Park. I mean, an absolute tank to left center. It was gone off the bat. Everybody knew it. State fans cheered. Southern Miss fans ooed. Then Ledbetter walks. It was a battle, but he walks. He gets down 1-2 in the count and works for a walk there. And then they bring in Sively in place of Monastere, who I think is going to be a great pitcher at Southern Miss. And a lot of people really wanted Mississippi State to recruit him. So Sibley comes in uh, from Summerall and gets uh, Dakota to grind into a double play. And then Hancock's hit by the pitch and offered strikes out swinging. So, you know, back-to-back ABs for Slate that were not great. Both of those Ks on three pitches. Got to be better. All right, top of five. This is when things really un- unraveled here. We bring in uh, Tyler Davis and, and let, let it be, again, established. Bradley Lofton leaves with a two-run lead. Despite the walks, despite the fact that he had some control issues, despite the fact that we had a home plate umpire that I thought was I had a chip on his shoulder for really for both teams, but I think after Lim got on him, it was even more maybe skewed in their direction. But uh, we bring in Tyler Davis, and uh, Tyler Davis was one of our more highly heralded transfers. He's had four outings; one of them has been good. This one was not. And that's the thing, too, you begin to ask yourself. You go out and you work the portal. This is a guy I think Lamona says is responsible for 19 wins, either through earning the win or capping a save in his career. But for some reason, when he gets in games, he hadn't been able to lock things down. And he hadn't been able to finish hitters. That's one of the things that you'll notice. 
He can get to two strikes, but he can't finish hitters. We need him. We need him. That's why we signed him in the first place. All right, so sure enough, we get to a 2-2 count here, and we end up walking. Excuse me, a 1-2 count. 1-2 count, we end up walking leadoff hitter. We battle back, and we get Ewing to strike out swinging. Then Montenegro, again, 0-2 count. We, they work it full. We give up a double, drives in a run. Johnson comes up, 1-2 count. 1-2 count. We end up walking him. Danny Lynch, 1-2 count. We don't walk him, but he puts the ball in play here. And uh, we, we think we're going to turn two here, but the throw home is high. Throw, throw to first is high, so the run scores. And then Creek Robertson, 1-2 count. Work it to 2-2, two and two, gets a double. Run score, 7-6. Edsel then comes in, reaches on an error. Uh, we dropped the baseball here. We roll it to the right side. Davis gets over. Luke has to range well off the bag. Robertson has it, beats him to, excuse me. Davis has it and gets to the bag and then drops the baseball. That's an error. Another run scores, 8-6. So you, you look at this. You know, we got to finish hitters. We got to make plays behind us. Absolutely got to make plays behind us. Absolutely. So we bring in Tyson Harden, who has been a little bit up and down, but it's like I, I can show him a little bit of grace. He's a, you know, he's a, a young guy, right? Stolen base, we walk Dickerson, and uh, then we get Patel to strike out swinging. So we get out of the deal here, uh, and, and again, Harden, perhaps maybe his best outing in the uniform. Bottom of five, again, State a chance to pull even here, and we don't. Had some opportunities, but uh, Hines grounds out the short clock. Clark grounds out the third. Heifel's hit by the pitch. And then Lane Forsyth, who's hitting about 300 now, singles to right field. We advance uh, Ross to second there. They elect to bring in Justin Storm, who's been good for them. He gets Amani Larry to fly out to right field. The pitch before, Amani Larry missed a three-run home run by about three feet. Off the bat, it was just a matter of it's going to stay fair. It ends up fading just left of the left field foul pole. That could have been a game-changing play. Ends up uh, flying out to right, so that ends a threat there. Okay, so we go back out there with Tyson, and um, hard and good inning here, really good inning for him. We get a fly out uh, to center, fly out to right, and we get Montenegro to ground out to second. So, the ball hit the center was it pretty well, but it was pretty routine contact outside of that. So one, two, three inning for him. And again, another one of these young, talented pitchers we're expecting big things from. Bottom of six, left better grounds out to first. DJ reaches on an error, a throwing error by the shortstop. Hancock strikes out looking. We're seeing more of that than I would like to see. And Luke Hancock, one of the best eyes in all of college baseball. I've seen him strike out looking more this year than I ever anticipated. This late offer flies out to right field. Another quick at bat here. Ball one, fly out to right. And uh, that ball nearly got down, but um, kind of is what it is. All right, top of seven. Harden goes back out, gets a fly out to center. We get Lynch to strike out. And then this Creek Robertson situation. I don't know what's going on with the home plate umpire. I, I, I don't get it. 
we, we drop a breaking ball in there for a strike. Everybody's walking off the field, and he's just sitting there. It's clearly a strike. And then we come back, and it's a borderline pitch, and you got to think, it's kind of an unwritten rule in baseball, for those of you guys who don't know. If the umpire misses one, he'll make it up to you. And more times than not, as soon as he can. In this situation, the right thing to do is you give him the punch out there. And there was a lot of – Southern Miss knew it was a strikeout too. They are all kind of giddy and laughing about it. But, uh, I, again, I thought Harding looked good, and I thought that was unfortunate. Even though Creek Robertson's probably a cousin of mine. I have to do research on it. But, uh, Creek, love you, love the family. You were punched out. You got a gift there. And, fortunately, they didn't make it count because we get – Nate Dom to come in, Nate Dome to come in, and uh, Etzel flies out to right on the very first pitch. Bottom of seven, though, Storm is D1 right here. We look, we look really bad this inning, even though we got deep into some counts. Three consecutive K swing in Hines, Clark, and Highfield. That can't happen, especially when you're down two and you got to get base runners. All right, top of eight, Southern Miss picks up a huge, huge, huge insurance run here. Dickerson walks. And then Patow strikes out swinging. Dickerson takes second and ends up going to third on a pass ball. That's on Ross. He'll tell you that. Sergeant flies out to left. It's an RBI sack fly. Makes it 9-6. to six. We'll get you in to strike out. But it's crazy. They score a huge insurance run without the benefit of a hit. We walked them. Right, we did. We walked them. There was no debate about those last two pitches. I think they were clearly off the plate. Stolen base, pass ball, RBI sack fly. They manufacture a run here with our help, and it proved to be a big run at the time. All of a sudden, you start thinking, hey, two runs, we're in this thing. Now it's three runs. All right, bottom of eight, State's like, okay, you, you want three? That's cool. We'll get you three. So Lane Forsyth opens drilling one in the left center. We knew it was in the gap off the bat. It's a 3-0 count. He takes to get me over strike. You know, in full count, he hammered that ball to left center. Hammered it. Then Larry is hit by the pitch. And, and before we move ahead here, let's not forget the fact that Storm had retired five in a row, and it should have been probably six, potentially seven, you know, we reach on an error. That's the only base runner we had been able to muster until Lane hammers that ball in the gap. Larry's in hit by the pitch. They walk Ledbetter. So now it's trouble. You know, you could tell Storm had gotten a little fatigued there at the end. That's what happens. You control. Begins to become elusive. So now base is loaded, nobody out. They turn to Middleton, J.B. Middleton, uh, from Benton Academy. Very first thing he does it throws it back to the screen. So now all of a sudden there's a run in, and now you don't have a force at any base. So the tying runs are in scoring position with nobody out. Uh, Jordan then flies out to center field. Larry tags and scores. And I'll be honest with you, and I mean it's as nice as I could, if you had an SEC center fielder out there, there may have been a better play at the plate. They cut the throw off. He just couldn't get it there. So now it's a 9-8 ball game. Hancock is then hit by the pitch. And then Slade Alford, who had had a tough night at the plate, comes through, hammers a ball hard to the ground on the right side. It's now a tie ball game. 
is Ledbetter scores and Hancock goes to third. And then this is just good baseball here. Hunter Hines comes up. We talk about having an approach. Hunter Hines is up there with less than two outs with the go-ahead run at third. He's not trying to hit a home run. He's not trying to hit a ball on the ground. He's trying to find something he can elevate because an elevated ball means what? It's an RBI sack fly. And lo and behold, he gets it. He absolutely rips that ball to right field. There was no play at the plate. Just good baseball. Hunter Hines has maybe not had the start many expected. These are the kind of at-bats that get you going. This is the kind of stuff that fires up a team. You go up there, you do a job. When he runs at third, just go elevate something. You need something you can match, so it changes your pitch selection. You're not just looking for strikes until you get to a full count here, and it turns out he got to a full count and still was able to get a ball he could handle. And you got to wonder a little bit there, too, if you're Middleton, you know, maybe why are you getting so much of the plate? And obviously you don't want to walk him, but you got to make him hit your pitch. And Hunter Hines wins the at-bat. RBI sack fly to drive the run home. Now State's up 10-9. And there was joy in Rankin County, Mississippi, I can assure you. Kellerman grounds out the second. They have the shift on there, but uh, now we know we're three outs away. Get Montenegro to strike out swinging, and that, that's easier said than done. That Montenegro family's been really good at Southern Miss. Very talented players. Johnson doubles to left center, and even though this happened the way that it did, this is on this is on us. Okay, it's just an 0-2 count. We got a little too much of the plate here. I, I think our emotions might have been a little bit elevated here, but with one out in a one-run ball game in the ninth and an 0-2 count. You hold all the advantage. I think you know, you've got to try to get a guy to chase you. But we catch too much of the plate. He doubles to left center. And to give Nate uh, Dome a lot of credit, Nate just you know, barreled down here. You get Lynch to fly out to center, and I'm thinking here they're going to tag. They don't. And at that point, I think the game is over. That's how I felt. I was like, you know what, if they get to third, you know, even though we've had a pass ball, we've had a wild pitch, the battery hadn't exactly operated at 100% proficiency. If you're Mississippi State, you like that runner at second a whole lot more than third. They elect not to tag, and honestly, I think if he had tagged, he'd have been dead to right. That's a tie and run, so you got to be careful with it. But that was a significant play in the ballgame. They bring in Wilkes to pinch hit. Scott Foxhall calls timeout and uh, goes out and addresses Nate, the defense, and say, hey, here, here's where we are. And, you know, as an infielder, you got to sell out on this play, right? You cannot let anything get through, period. But Nate's like, you know what, you guys can go put your gloves down because I got it. We get ahead 0-2 here, try to get him a chase, he won't, and then we just basically overpower him and strike him out. So 10-9 winners for Mississippi State. Now, there are things – I listen, I love to win. I do. I love to win, but I also like good baseball. We didn't play good baseball last night, by and large. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that 
Just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking and that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. 
it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Now we didn't quit, and we score, of course, four in the eighth, which is what the better team should do. When it's closing time, you got to find a way to close. We did. We didn't play good baseball. And that's the thing. You're so fortunate to win a game like this when you don't play well. And, that, and that's what good teams do, is you find a way to win a game when you're not playing well. The problem, and I think all of us see it the same way, is that we're gonna, it seems like we're going to have at least one of these games a week. That's got to get better. That can't continue. That's not sustainable. That's not going to get you into the NCAA tournament. And listen, Bradley Lofton, I'm a huge fan, okay? That kid is going to be a weekend starter for us. He's going to be phenomenal. He is. He's going to be a guy in a couple years. You're going to be like, you know what? That guy's going on Friday. He's throwing 95 from the left-hand side. We're going to be good. He's still acclimating to the college game. But six walks, not going to get it done. And Ensign, I understand we didn't have the greatest zone last night, but I think Bradley will tell you he missed some spots last night. But six walks. We walk 11, and then we had a hit by pitch. So we issue a dozen free passes in the ballgame and then commit three errors. That gets you beat. But fortunately, we're such a good offense, we're able to overcome that. But you can't count on that. It's just simply not sustainable. Tyler Davis comes in and goes two-thirds of an inning, gives up two hits, four runs, two walks, a strikeout. we got to finish hitters. When you get into an 0-2 and a 1-2 count, you got to finish. you got to finish. Tyson Harding was the shining uh, middle reliever. Two innings pitched, no hits, no runs, two walks, uh, two strikeouts. And one of those walks was an absolute joke. An absolute joke. But 42 pitches for Tyson, and uh, again, I, I thought he got, showed good life on the fastball, good deception with the breaking ball. There's a lot to work with with Tyson Harding. And then Nate Dome comes in. Uh, the only hit he allows, of course, is to double there in the ninth inning, uh, two and a third. Uh, allows one run. It's unearned. Walks one, four Ks. And Nate was as cool as he could be. He really was. Great job. But it's one of those ones we feel like we stole it. And it felt like in the middle innings we were giving it away. But it seemed like as we got through the sixth and seventh and Southern's able to maintain this lead, it really felt like we were going to lose. I think most of you probably felt the same way I did. You have opportunities and you don't cash in, just like you get you know, runners at first and second, nobody out. You don't even advance the runners at any point. And there's some guys down there that – getting some big scholarship dollars that didn't come through there. And that's part of baseball. But in the end, we found a way. In the eighth inning, four runs, and everybody contributed. And again, it's all started by Lane Forsyth. The much maligned Lane Forsyth. And listen, Lane is, has not been off to a good start. He's made some errors. He's had some bad at-bats. But when you look at what's happened here in the last – a week with him, things are getting better. Things are absolutely getting better.
All right, let's take a quick look at this. This Delane Forsythe experiment here. Experience, excuse me. That's being disrespectful. All right, now he's hitting 296. 296, which is what, six best on the team? Actually hitting better than Dakota Jordan, Hunter Hines, and Kellen Clark among the regulars. So it's pretty interesting. So he starts out one, is it three, seven, 11, 13. One for his first 13. And everybody's ready to bench him, ready to fire the, the, fire the recruiting coordinator, fire Lamonis, bulldoze the stadium. Since that one for 13 stretch, Two for two, one for three, one for three, one for three, two for three. Making a, bit of a difference. And, and listen, even the outs are a little bit louder. He's barreling things up. Fielding, the very first, it, it almost, it's incredible how similar it is. He makes four errors in the first five ball games. And he hadn't made one since. And he's actually had more chances. So he's settling in. And so what I say, I say that to say this. Listen, I, I'm a firm believer in accountability, even though it's the fans that don't hold players accountable. Let's give this guy some credit for turning this thing around. Got off to a slow start as a fender and a hitter. Now we just need some consistency, right? Got to continue to push forward here. But uh, listen, Lane Forsythe is a guy that, again, it's, I saw somebody said he's the Will Rogers of the baseball team. Maybe that's fair. I don't think that, that Lane gets enough credit Listen, when he, when he boots one, yeah, he deserves it. Okay, sure. But the reality of it is this kid's picked it up. He absolutely has. So let's, you know, let's just hope things continue for sure. Bulldogs are back in action this weekend at Frisco. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But uh, I'll be heading down there. Uh, busy week for me, for sure. But I'll be headed down there uh, Friday, and we'll be there for the, uh, the whole three-day event. Looking forward to, to seeing you uh, – Texas dogs that are out there. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend, your friend in the mortgage industry. A lot of people out there have questions. Blair has answers. 21 years of experience in the industry, and we talked about this before. Anybody that stays in any industry for 20-plus years doing something right. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Back-to-back -back years for Blair. Visit him at his website today at closewithblair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And he can get you going. But uh, maybe you're, you're driving around right now and say, you know, Steve, uh, just maybe hit the digits there and I can get in touch with him. You can. It's 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Be sure and check him out today. And if you mention to Blair, whether it be by carrier pitching or email or whatever, that uh, you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. How cool is that? Be sure and check him out today. Again, closewithblair.com. Okay. You may not be aware of this, but uh, there is new Lincoln Park material out there. I don't know how much more that we're going to get. Mike Shinoda has said that the band has no plans to tour, record a new album, anything like that. A lot of people have wondered maybe for, if they shouldn't uh, finish some of the unreleased material and have some other people kind of get step in. Don't know how that's going to work. But we do have a brand new Linkin Park song. And um, so it kind of got me to thinking, what about some of these hidden gems that are out there? You know, Chester Bennington worked with a lot of different people. 
uh, did some electronic stuff and some punk stuff. There's some stuff out there that's outside of the Lincoln Park umbrella. So I thought we'd address that today. So top 10 hidden gems from Chester Bennington. All right, number 10, from a movie that I never saw, and I don't know that I ever will, but uh, Chester Bennington, Shinoda, and some of the guys from Lincoln Park put this thing together. But from the, the motion picture soundtrack for Mall, we're going with track White Noise. White Noise, number 10 on your list. Hopefully, Roy can find all these. Number nine, another interesting collaboration here, a track called The Walking Dead, or Walking Dead, is Chester at a guest spot on the DJ Z Trips album. Pretty cool track. It's new to me, but I, I dug it. I checked it out because I was looking for kind of stuff that maybe we're not as familiar with. And so I've listened a lot to the stuff here this morning. There's a lot of stuff out there that Chester was a part of that uh, didn't get a lot of notoriety. Maybe, maybe it should now. Number eight, a side project that he put together when Linkin Park was on hiatus a bit. It's a band called Dead by Sunrise. Great track called Inside of Me. There's a, that album is actually worth your listen. If you haven't listened to anything else recently, and maybe you're not um, well-versed in that portion of Chester's contributions, check it out. It's Dead by Sunrise. They just did the one album called Out of Ashes. Actually, pretty cool little project there. Number seven, going back to Chester's first real band. And a lot of people have had a lot of, I've got these guys listed twice, but there were a lot of people that were very critical of these guys from gray days after Chester died. They're like, hey, let's go push this material out here. And some thought they were exploiting a situation. What's interesting is the, um, the gentleman behind the deal is a multimillionaire. So it wasn't some cash grab. And you know, he even said in interviews, I don't care if this ever makes any money whatsoever. I just wanted to share this music with Chester's fans. But a band called Grey Days, I'm going back to the B12 track off their very first EP, B12, and you can kind of begin to hear the genesis of Chester Bennington. Pretty incredible. Number six, I probably should have this one a little bit higher, but I got kind of hung up in all of this. But there is a song by uh, Mark Morton out there and it's called Cross Off. It is absolutely phenomenal. It made the rounds here a couple years ago again. It seemed like it was everywhere for a while because everybody was looking for anything that involved Chester. But Mark Morton's Cross Off is phenomenal in the words of Ben Howen. Phenomenal. That might be a new favorite for you if you're unfamiliar with it. All right, number five, and because I'm a Motley guy, I didn't even know this was out there. I, I didn't, I didn't, and I'm ashamed of myself. But did you know that Chester Bennington and Vince Neil and Motley Crue sang a duet of Home Sweet Home for Katrina Relief? Did you know that? I didn't. It's true, and it's available out there on iTunes and Spotify. So Home Sweet Home for Motley Crue featuring Chester Bennington, what an odd pairing. And it works out pretty well. It's basically just the piano stuff. But uh, all that said, nice collaboration for a great cause. You know, nearly a generation removed. So Home Sweet Home from Motley and Chester Bennington. Did not know that song existed until today. All right, number four, going back to Grey Days. And uh, 
I wanted to work these guys in here because I think that some of that material is better than people realize. But the song Saturation, Strange Love, is great. And Chester really begins to kind of find a sense of himself. And so he left Grey Days and, of course, went in the audition for Linkin Park. It, it wasn't this organic thing. Like Shinoda and like Chester grew up together. This wasn't the case. And Chester Bennington basically quit his job at Burger King and went out there and auditioned for Linkin Park and the rest was rock and roll history. There is a solo track. Pretty interesting. It's unlike anything else in the catalog, which makes it something that, um, you know, for me, makes it a little more intriguing. You get the classic sound. But it's a little bit different. It, I will say this. It drags a little bit. The arrangement on this is a little bit different. But it's from the Queen of the Damned motion picture soundtrack. It's a, tr a track called System from Chester Bennington. Not Linkin Park, but Chester himself. All right, number two. You may not know this, but Chester Bennington was a huge Stone Temple Pilots fan. Huge. Like it was his dream to one day be the singer of Stone Temple Pilots. And after Scott Weiland got fired... Lo and behold, there's an opportunity for Chester Bennington. And he goes and records an album with them. And uh, it's very interesting. But we're going to go with Out of Time as your number two track, Out of Time, from the Stone Temple Pilots album with Chester Bennington. Now Stone Temple Pilots is a new singer now. And it's, it's, it's ironic how life has worked for those guys. It really is. I mean, when SCP first hit the scene, people thought they were kind of ripping off Alice in Chains, but then you found out, as you heard more of the catalog, these guys were uh, a lot more diverse than that. Scott Wilde, of course, was an uh, incredible frontman. But then you lose Scott Wilde to addiction, and then you lose Chester Bennington uh, to suicide. It's pretty crazy. If you don't know Chester Bennington's story, I encourage you to... Uh, to do some research. You know, before he was famous and a rock star, he lived a very, very tortured and abusive life that was of no fault of his own and ultimately became a drug addict. And it's a reminder, too, that um, some wounds never heal. It's true. Some wounds never heal. And uh, Chester, of course, is a guy that was a you know, victim of, of abuse and uh, did what he could to kind of uh, to turn back the pain as best he could. And so he sought refuge in alcohol and drugs and then eventually got into recovery for a bit and um, you know, began to heal some. Began to have uh, you know, children of his own. And he, as he and Chris Cornell are very similar. They, they share their pain with us and eventually the pain takes them. And that's one of the things about addiction. I tell people all the time, the, the, the thing that recovery teaches you is how to process pain. And some pain out there, it's just difficult to get through. I mean, it just is. You know, it's, you can work and work and work. It may take years of therapy or years of just talking or working through your own evaluations. But processing pain is a difficult part of addiction. I think that's probably the key component to everything. People think, well, you know, Steve, if we could just get him or her to stop drinking, if we could get, just get him or her to stop using, everything would be okay. Well, no, you wouldn't because then you're going to take away the only medicine they have to deal with their ailment. So you have to teach them. You have to get them in, a, in professional counseling or get them into a recovery program 
because it's about processing pain. It's not an issue of morality. People act like it is. It's really not. And as a person that's lived through it and dealt with it now for 31 years and done my best to help others, I can tell you, until you can help somebody process pain and kind of get you know, the skeletons out of the closet, per se, there's no hope of recovery. All right, number one, though, we're going to go with uh, the number one rock song in America today. It's Lost from Linkin Park. It was kind of a hidden gem that was kind of tucked away. They found that here in recent years, and because of the fact they were going to be re-releasing a remastered version of Meteora, they included that on there as a bonus track. It is phenomenal. It's one of those things, too, you look at and say, why wasn't this song originally released? But uh, we're glad to have it now. So it's good to get new music from Chester Bennington and Linkin Park. I don't know how much more of that there is. <clears throat> Hopefully there is a little bit more. I know, speaking of that sort of stuff, there supposedly is enough material for two to three Audio Slave albums. The material that Chris Cornell and Tom Morello had. And then there is the Soundgarden record that has still not been released that um, there was a big dispute between Vicky Cornell and Kim Thale and the surviving members of, of Soundgarden. And, of course, I mention that it's because uh, you know, Chris and Chester were so closely affiliated. And uh, one of the things that um, every so often, I don't know why I pulled up, but uh, one of the most beautiful tributes, I remember after Chris passed away from suicide, that uh, Linkin Park was supposed to be on Jimmy Kimmel. And... Uh, they were going to sing Heavy, but because of Chris's untimely death, they sang One More Light, and uh, Chester kind of breaks down during the, uh, the performance there. But uh, it's a very, 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 very emotional thing, and, and uh, the arrangement's a little bit different, and there's this one part there where you know, the end it talks about uh, you know, who cares about this, and then Chester just lets out this absolutely blood-curling scream where he says, I do. The whole song is about... Life, you know, when people pass away in your life, and that one that, that one lyric that always gets to me is, "There's always one more chair at the table than you need." That's just brutal, man. I get chills even thinking about that. So, I wanted to celebrate the music of Chester today, and uh, but also to use it as a bit of a cautionary tale. We got to learn to process pain. We do. There's no point hurting alone, and I'm a person that deals with that all the time, right? I mean, it's like not just my own pain, but others, you know. And, and I'm a person that heals by talking. And maybe you heal another way, and, and writing helps, and things of that nature. But you got to find a way to process pain, and it doesn't matter if you're an addict or not. Learning to do that is the key to happiness. All right, next segment of the show brought to you as always by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. You will too if you if you don't already take part in this wonderful love affair that Campus Bookmart has with this wonderful fan base of Mississippi State people. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, look no further than Campus Bookmark. When you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. They'll be happy to assist you. So many great people there doing such a great job. Providing you with the latest and greatest of Mississippi State merch. Whether you're looking to outfit your family, you know, add to your wardrobe, detail your office, buy a great gift for a friend, a relative, co-worker, Campus Bookmark can help you with that. If you can't make it to town, I encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. 
And if you're looking for the Mike Leach crew neck, shirts, the hoodies, sweatshirts, you can find them right there. And, of course, with baseball season here, you need some new gear. You do. Treat yourself at campusbookmart.net. Okay, big win for Mississippi State men's basketball last night. Not that we didn't expect it. It was probably a little more difficult than we anticipated. But the Bulldogs now 20-10 and 10 overall and 8-9 and nine in this conference. I believe we're in. A win on Saturday, I think, removes all doubt, no matter what happens at the SEC men's tournament. You finished with 21 wins in a regular season and a 500 record in this conference. You deserve to be in a tournament. And the Nets in the 30s now. But uh, difficult game last night in some respects. But uh, State sweeps the season series from South Carolina. We played them twice. We win by six. Let's take a quick look inside the numbers here. We were, uh, of course, covering baseball, so we didn't get to see a lot of this. We were able to hear a little bit of it when we were over and done with. But South Carolina drops to 10-20 and 20 and 3-14 and 14 in the league. But give the Gamecocks credit. They've kind of mailed this thing in here down the stretch. They have played better basketball, as you guys are aware. G.G. Jackson with 22 points for them, a dozen for Hayden Brown and for Josh Gray, respectively. But, uh, you know, pretty good effort, shall we say. Uh, six of 20 from beyond the arc, that, that didn't help the cause. But 16 of 17 from the line. G.G. Jackson, 11 for 11, perfect from the line. And that's coaching. Free throws is coaching. Uh, Gamecocks pulled out 29 rebounds. Bulldogs, 28. So they out-rebounded State. And, uh, you know, same numbers, basically, uh, in many respects for, across the numbers here. But uh, State, 3 of 14 from three-point land. 19 of 24 from the free throw uh, stripe. And, again, that was a big issue for us early in the year. But uh, collectively, as a team, we have gotten better. We have gotten better at the stripe. Bulldogs shoot 50% in the ballgame. That'll get you more wins than not. And the nearly 80% from the free throw line. Got Again, we got to get better from beyond the arc, but we kind of are who we are at this point. 40 points in the paint for State, just 26 for South Carolina. State, 27 points off turnover. South Carolina, just eight. Second chance points for the Gamecocks, 12. Bulldogs have 10. Fast break points, 15 for State, zero for South Carolina. Shows what a good job we're doing in transition defense. Eight points from the Carolina bench and 17 for the Bulldogs. The game was tied four times. Lead changed hands 10 times. But uh, looking at Mississippi State's numbers here, Shaquille Moore, big game for him. Uh, 20 points, Tolu Smith, 16 off the bench, Sean Jones Jr. pitches in 11. And uh, a handful of guys, you know, making a contribution here. A lot of guys got in the game late, you know, kind of as a thank you. But, um, you know, it, it was a much tighter game than I think most of us anticipated. But uh, the bottom line is, State gets a W here. It was back and forth in the early going. And late in the second half, excuse me, late in the first half, I guess around the Seven-minute mark, State began to really kind of exert themselves a little bit. And then uh, you look up late, and with two minutes to go, after a Cam Matthews dunk, State is up four. We push it to six on a Tolu dunk, and then Deshaun Davis makes a shot basically at the buzzer to put State up eight. So it's a 42-34 advantage at the break. And even though it had been kind of nip and tuck throughout, State closed the half really well. But give South Carolina some credit. They didn't just go away. You know, State continued to kind of nurse this lead along. And you look up, uh, you know, with 
right around the 16-minute mark, and it's a two-point game. Two-point game. The game is tied at 14 minutes after a three-point basket from Eli Sparkman, and you feel like, you know what, we're going to have to kind of pick it up here. South Carolina takes a three-point lead after Jacoby Wright rams home a three. State cuts it down to one. They go right back up to three. And right around midway point in the second half, you know, State's having to kind of battle here. State with a one-point lead. South Carolina takes it back out to four with the eight-minute mark, up two possessions. And from there, State pretty much willed this thing to the finish. D.J. Jeffries knocks down a pair of free throws. McNair with a jumper in the lane pushes it out to four. The lead swells to five after a three-point basket from Shaquille Moore just under the five-minute mark. Cam Matthews pushes it back out to five at the four-minute mark, and then with seven, with uh, excuse me, one thirty-three to go, just ninety seconds to go in the ball game, Shaquille Moore with a uh, nice layup to push it to seven. State gets a stop, and Deshaun Davis on the break is fouled and makes a couple free throws. It's a nine-point game, and it feels like it's academic at this point. Uh, Shaquille Moore makes one more free throw uh, after he's fouled. Of course, they're in a fouling situation. It's a ten-point lead. And from there, you know, State just kind of pushed this thing along. And Jacoby Moore makes a, a basket with four seconds left. It, you know, the game was over at that point. But State is doing what has to happen late in ball games. If they turn it into a free throw shooting contest, we are showing the mental fortitude to step up and make those shots. So big win for the Bulldogs, even though it was not a marquee opponent. Anytime you get a win in this league, it's a big deal. So that sets up a you know, final game this weekend, and we'll talk more about that uh, later in the week as State gets ready to head to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt, the regular season finale. But Vanderbilt has been playing better as of late, and this is far from a sure thing. Now, I do think State can go up there uh, and get the dub here, but the reality of it is is it's going to be anything but a sure thing. We're going to have to go up there and play good basketball. And while many people are projecting State to be in the tournament and we're no longer part of the you know last four in, we're continuing to kind of improve our resume. We got to finish here. Vanderbilt 16 and 13 overall, 9 and 7 in the conference. So this is a seeding type game for us. Makes things a little bit easier for us in the SEC tournament. But they are an 11-5 team at home. And just kind of looking at recent play. And again, we'll do more of an in-depth look later. Uh, they're going to play tonight at Kentucky. So a bit of a quick turnaround for them is they'll, they'll go back home and play us 7:30 on. Uh, on Saturday, but uh, winners of their last ball game, 88-72, and then back you know, before that, they give LSU their second conference win. Brutal right there. But uh, a lot of variance in the uh, SEC standings right now. The, you just don't know at this point how this thing is going to shake out. It's because of the fact there are so many teams kind of locked in there together. And we've come a long way. In a short time, we really have. We have really come a long way. And, uh, again, the fact that here we are, it's March. It's March. And the Bulldogs are right there. A busy schedule tonight, too, though. Vanderbilt's at Kentucky, as we mentioned. Auburn's at Alabama. Missouri's at LSU. Uh, that'll be interesting, right? Because we, you know, we need some games to go our way. It would be great if LSU could find a way to get a dub for us, but uh, just not expecting that LSU 2-14 and 14 and uh, dead last in the conference. But Mississippi State, 8-9, and nine, just behind Auburn and Vanderbilt. So if Alabama and Kentucky can pick up a win tonight, 
then all of a sudden that puts us right there in the mix, potentially leapfrogging some teams uh, to get a better seed. You know, and while we're at that, you know, of course Missouri's nine and seven too. So, you know, they could be just all three of those teams could be just a game ahead of us. And of course, if State beats Vanderbilt, you, know, you get the, the, the tiebreaker there. But um, we'll see how things go. But Again, State 20 and 10 overall, 8-9 in the league. And I don't know that most people expected us to be in this position. I know all of us hoped that would be the case. But we're right there. I mean, conceivably, I mean, obviously things would have to fall just right for us. But State could finish tied fifth in the SEC in year one under Chris Jans. You're not going to catch Alabama, obviously. You're not going to catch A&M. You're not going to catch Kentucky. You're not going to catch Tennessee. But – if things fall just right, you could end up in a tie with Missouri, Auburn, and or Vanderbilt. And just behind us, of course, is Arkansas and Florida. You know, so there's a log jam there in the middle of the league as we kind of get ready to, uh, to seed the SEC men's tournament. Of course, uh, again, LSU at the bottom, South Carolina tied with Ole Miss for 12th in the league, and then there's Georgia. And then from there, it's eight win teams. It is a log jam. And so – in order to differentiate ourselves, we just need to keep winning. When it comes to this time of year, you can never assume you've done enough. There's always something else to play for. And then we'll get ready to roll from there. But, uh, you know, the Bulldogs doing a good job. You start looking at this uh, Chris Jans experience here. I mean, you won two in a row. And after that was that great winning streak. You know, we, we started by knocking off TCU. And it's when fans really believe, began to have some belief in this team. You go on the road, beat South Carolina, you beat Missouri, you beat LSU, you beat Arkansas, and run into a five-game winning streak, and you get beat by Kentucky. And the way they're playing, there's no shame in that, but that's a game I know we wish we had. Then you go beat Ole Miss and Oxford. You lose on a heartbreaking last-second shot to Missouri, and you beat A&M. And, again, I go back to this. The only game all year that it felt like that we were outclassed in was that road trip to Knoxville. What are we going to look like when we get a couple of offensive scores? And what does this mean for Hubbard? You know, Hubbard's opted out of his, uh, his Ole Miss letter of intent. State very mu- much in the mix. Paul Jones is now – our Paul Jones at jeanspage.com has now crystal balled Hubbard, who is now the uh, all-time leading scorer in Mississippi high school history. Some big names involved. People, well, he's a volume shooter. Well, you know, you don't think Chris Jackson was? Hollywood Robinson, those guys? James, I mean, just you – know, you give the guy the ball. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we need to get some offensive scores. And I think when you look at the foundation that's being laid, this blue-collar appeal to this team, you begin to realize that uh, some good things are on the way. So big win. And it was really not just so much a big win. It's just a game, you know, we couldn't afford to lose. We had to find a way. Had to find a way to win a, win a ball game here. And we did. You lose that ball game to South Carolina last night, you're, you're probably head of the NIT barring a, a run in Nashville uh, next week. In a week from the day, the SEC tournament begins. A week from the day. It's crazy to think how fast the season's just rolled by for us. But, uh, again, very happy about the results. Very happy about what is to come. Very happy about the direction that Chris Jans has this program kind of moving forward to. All right, final segment of the show brought to you, as always, by Portico. I've told you guys many times before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico. I'd love to be that close to campus, 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. 
Far enough away for some privacy, but close enough for convenience. You can't beat it, ma'am. You absolutely can't beat it. Give my friend, your friend, Mississippi State friend, Brooks Bryan, a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. And just let him know, hey, listen, we're interested. We want to make Starkville our home. Or perhaps it is an investment property for us. Or it's a second home for us. It's our ballgame weekend retreat. We don't want to go broke, you know, paying for hotel rooms. We want to have a place we can keep all our tailgate stuff, a place that we can go up there. Maybe perhaps when our kids go to college there, they can stay there full-time, and then we can be there on weekends. You know what your needs are. They can meet them at Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Pretty amazing what they can do for you, too. And really anything in between. If you need a custom build, they can take care of that for you. They can take care of that in every aspect. It's like Brooks know. I say, hey, Brooks, I, I need this. Can you guys accommodate me? Chances are they're going to say yes. Again, that's Portico. Make it your next move. Okay, busy week ahead. Uh, the SEC Women's Tournament gets started today. By the time you've heard this, there's a chance that perhaps the, uh, the first game is in the books. And at that point, maybe we begin to know, you know, uh, and it looks like this game just went final. Texas A&M beats Vanderbilt 77-70. So that opens up uh, our game for tomorrow. And, of course, State has played really well against Texas A&M. We will be the 1 p.m. game tomorrow. The Thursday games began with Missouri and Arkansas, and then we will play Texas A&M. Auburn will play Georgia. Alabama is still waiting to find out who their opponent will be. And that will be determined uh, this afternoon, Kentucky and Florida play. So the winner of that game will take on Alabama. So uh, A&M, of course, State has handled them twice this year. However, the second time was a little more difficult. Now, we win that ball game, but uh, it wasn't maybe what we had hoped it would be. You know, we absolutely destroyed them earlier in the year. I'm pulling their schedule up right now. Um, we beat them 60-44 to 44 in College Station and then turn around and beat them 70-62 uh, here in Starkville. Down the stretch here, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. They've lost 7 of 9. They beat Kentucky to kind of get out of the cellar, lose it to Arkansas, and then uh, win today. So, again, that's 1 p.m. tomorrow. Um, the bottom line is it's a game we should win. But this time of year, you got to think Texas A&M has nothing to lose. All the pressure is really on us. I think we're in the tournament. I think we win this game. I think it removes all doubt. I think you win this game no matter how much you lose to South Carolina. But I don't think it matters. I think you remove all doubt with a win on Thursday that the Mississippi State women deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. So that's your preview for that. And, again, you know, just it's difficult to beat a team three times in a year. And you look at the, you know, the fact that the second game was in our home arena, it goes to show you that they have gotten better, even though they've they, they strung together some losses. But, you know, they were getting absolutely murdered in the first half of SEC play. I mean, you lose by 40. 40 to LSU. And, I mean, all these are double-digit losses. And then you get into the second half of the SEC schedule, things are a lot more competitive. You beat Georgia, lose by nine at Vandy. You lose by seven at Florida. Six against LSU. Eight 
against us, and then 10 against Auburn, and then they got beat pretty good against Missouri. But by and large, they have been a much more competitive team. So we're not going to be able to just kind of show up and go through the motions. It's a team we know well. But it's a team that knows us well, too. So it'll be an interesting day tomorrow. That's your rooting interest tomorrow. And it's a full slate of games tomorrow. If you're uh, keeping up with all that and you're excited about it, uh, you certainly should be. But uh, going to be a very, very interesting tournament. And real quickly here, it's going to kind of comes into focus. But, uh, yeah, look at the bracket. I think we're actually in better shape here. Because we actually don't play South Carolina in the quarterfinals. My mistake. My mistake. The earlier bracket I looked at over the weekend, I guess, was wrong. But, uh, or maybe I, maybe I made a mistake. However, if you can take care of Texas A&M, you'll play Ole Miss. And we're playing pretty good basketball. But they've been better than us this year. Let's just kind of tip our cap there. But you beat A&M, I think you're in. You beat Ole Miss, you absolutely are in. You win two games in the SEC tournament with the record that we have, a winning record in the SEC, 20-plus wins. I think you can feel good about life. But first and foremost, we got to go take care of Texas A&M. And then we'll get ready, hopefully, to go play Ole Miss. And then we'll see how things go. And, of course, South Carolina would await us in the semifinals. But uh, South Carolina, of course – will play the winner of Missouri-Arkansas. I don't know if there's anybody in this league, with the exception of LSU, that might be able to really give a South Carolina a game, especially in their home state. Even though this is a, quote, neutral floor, the tournament being in Greenville, South Carolina, means it's going to be a very partisan crowd for the Gamecocks. And it appears that's where they want to keep that tournament. I guess that's fine. But as long as South Carolina kind of rules the roost in the SEC, it's going to be a home home tournament for them. But, again, state two winnable games ahead of us. The first one easier than the second, as it should be in a bracket play. But uh, best of luck to Coach Sam Purcell and the ladies uh, tomorrow, 1 p.m. on the SEC Network, following the Missouri-Arkansas game. So, an important game, to say the least. But, again, I think we're in. We can remove all doubt. Now, we talked about the men playing at Vanderbilt. You kind of know what's at stake there. Let's take a quick look now at uh, the Frisco Classic. I will be leaving a tattoo appointment tomorrow, and I'm going to do my best to uh, record Thursday night. If not, I'll get up early Friday, but i got to get on the road. And so we're going to be uh, – the wife and I are going to Frisco for the Frisco Challenge. Excited about that. I have been out there before. It's a great event. Last time we went, it was absolutely miserable. Absolutely miserable last time. But uh, State gets a couple wins out there. Here is your schedule, if you haven't seen. Okay, the first thing I'll tell you, you can watch the whole tournament for 25 bucks in person. Many of you are going to be trying to stream through D1 Baseball. Don't know about how that's going to work. But if you're in the area and, you, and you're crazy about the Bulldogs, you can come. It's two games a day. You spend 25 bucks and have a pass. But uh, the first game is uh, on Friday, California versus Oklahoma. That's 2 p.m. And then State and Ohio State in the nightcap at 6. We will turn around on Saturday and play Oklahoma in the early game. And unfortunately, on Sunday, for those of us that travel, we also have the early game. So the only nightcap is the Friday night game. So 1 p.m. on Saturday against Oklahoma and then against Cal – at 11 a.m. on Sunday, which would should allow all of us to get home at a decent hour. The gates open up one hour prior to first pitch. 
that's you know, you know how it is here. You know, we'll just kind of let you roam around as best we can, but you got to leave the stadium before it's time. You have to you've uh, stocked your your rigs and everything. But the reality of it is, is that uh, it's a great event, and uh, we're going to play some teams too that have some dudes. I mean, anybody in the Power Five is going to have some guys, right? I mean, that's just what you expect. Let's take a quick look at uh, State's first opponent, though, Ohio State. I don't expect Ohio State to be outstanding, but Chris Simona says that the guy, that, the arm that we're going to see on Friday night is a big-time guy. So we're going to see, you know, a guy that's capable of shutting down his offense. And we have been a good offensive team. Our biggest issue has been, you know, defense and pitching. If we can go out there and get a good start, you know, we'll see how things progress. But um, – that's the thing that worries me the most, right? It's like if we just go out there and throw strikes and, de- and defend the, the baseball, we're going to be fine. Ohio State, though, is 3-5. and 3-5 and five on the year. And so based on, uh, you know, maybe what we've heard here, you know, from uh, Chris Simonis, let's kind of take a quick look at the, uh, the box scores for Fridays for them and to kind of get an idea of who we're going to face here. They opened up the year uh, splitting four with UConn in the Snowbird Classic down in Florida. That's an interesting dynamic, right? Let's just all go on the road and play neutral side games. But um, the season opener of the year against UConn, Ohio State wins that game 3 to nothing. The starting pitcher was Isaiah Cuppet, C-O-U-P-E-T. He goes six innings, one hit, one walk, nine Ks, one wild pitch. That's getting the job done, for sure. Now, the Gonzaga game, they win that game 11-9 in 10 innings, so it's a no decision there. But um, looking at numbers here, looks like Ohio State threw a different pitcher on that Friday. So I'm not exactly sure who they're going to throw, but uh, if it's Cuppet, it looks like that he's got some pretty good numbers. Let me look at their statistics here. As we go, all right, so Isaiah Cuppet is 1-1. Two appearances, two starts, one win, one loss, 13 innings pitched, which leads a team. He's allowed seven hits and just a one run, 18 Ks against the one walk. So it doesn't look like walks are going to be a big issue here. Opponents are hitting just 152 against him and just four extra base hits. So I would suspect that's the guy, Isaiah Cuppet, uh, the, the guy that we'll see on Friday night. And, again, they don't have anybody else just throwing double-digit innings. And uh, he is the – there's only two players on the team that uh, – or three players, excuse me, that have uh, multiple starts. So that's who we should see. I wish we'd see Justin Eckhart. Goodness, he's allowed 10 hits and 10 runs and nine innings pitched. But uh, we're Mississippi State. We're not scared of who you got, where you're coming from. We're just ready to go get a ball game in, right? That's how it should be. Looking at this offensive stuff, and uh, we'll spend a little bit of time on this Thursday, but uh, Cole Andrews is the leading hitter there for them for 375. We'll get a little more depth in that on the, on the next show. But Ohio State, not a great team, but it does appear they've got a couple of guys that can pitch it a little bit, but uh, not scoring a ton of runs. Their last ball game was Sunday. That's interesting to think about that, right? We, we played so many midweek games. They have not played a true midweek game all year. Played Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then went into Monday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then now they'll play us. So they, they have, they, by the time we play them, they will not have played in five days. That's always interesting to me, how everybody else does their schedule. All right, so that's your game one Friday against Ohio State. We'll play Oklahoma, and you remember how good they were last year? They had some guys that could really pitch it. Not exactly sure 
they're going to be of the same caliber. And we were all pulling hard for them last year. We were, for obvious reasons. They had some chances to do some things, but uh, couldn't get it done. And give all Miss credit. You know, they handled it, right? They absolutely did. So let's take a quick look here at the uh, Oklahoma baseball experience. It's always so interesting to me. This time of year, it's so difficult to kind of get a handle on things. But uh, Oklahoma's four and four. They lose their opening series in Norman to California Baptist. They bounce back and take care of Air Force. They lose to Abilene Christian in Arlington, four to three in ten innings, and then they uh, win the series over Ryder last weekend, uh, two out of three. It's uh, again, it's just it's interesting. Then why aren't you playing more? This time of year, and maybe maybe we're playing too much. Who knows? I don't, I just don't like having all those non-conference games late. Let's just get it done, right? Let's just kind of get it done and get it over with. Let me see if we can't get some numbers here too. Not exactly sure who we'll see, but again, four and four, they won two in a row. So this will be interesting too because, uh, you know, they're going to be on the road here. Yeah, you know, they played in Globe Life Field against Abilene Christian and lost that ball game. That's the only game they've played away from their home arena. They're supposed to play tonight against UC Arlington on their way to Frisco, I would assume. But, uh, you know, I don't know what we expect in that ball game. But, you know, my hope is that uh, they use a bunch of pitchers, right? But look at the numbers here. It's always interesting, too, how these websites work. I wish there was a little more uniformity with that. All right, so pitching-wise, they do have a couple of guys, obviously. Uh, Will Karsten uh, leads the team with two starts, two appearances, 1-0 record, uh, 2.7 ERA, has allowed one home run, just really two extra base hits, a dinger and a double in 10 innings pitched. Uh, Cal Davis, 10.1 innings pitched, also has a couple starts, and uh, Braxton – Dude hit, has a couple starts. So, good chance we'll see uh, one of those guys. At the end of the day, I don't even really care about that. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like I, I don't care what order they pitch people. I don't care who they throw. I always – and maybe it's because I've uh, followed and covered Mississippi State for so long. I just think that, you know, we're Mississippi State. We ought to be able to go out there and compete with anybody. We don't need somebody to lower the hurdles for us when it comes to college baseball. Maybe you see it differently. I, I don't. I, I, th I expect big things from Mississippi State baseball, no matter who they trot out there. And that's what made last night a little more frustrating, right? Because you knew, number one, they don't have great pitching, and then you think we ought to be able to rock uh, you know, midweek pitching from anybody. So the Sunday game, of course, will be an early game. So we'll have to get up, get packed up, and get ready to go. But, uh, you know, the Cal Golden Bears, best known for uh, giving up the, uh, the Stanford Cal play, they're 6-1 on the year. They've won four games in a row. They were supposed to play this weekend, and it got rained out. So – they have not played a ball game since Saturday. Sunday is postponed. Tuesday against UC Davis is postponed. So they'll, they're going to take on Oklahoma, Ohio State, and then us, of course, in that early Sunday game. But uh, you know that's a loud win at Stanford. And they, they had an opening series they took at Houston. But um, 
you know, the Cal baseball classic went pretty, pretty good for them, but uh, a lot of, a lot of low scoring games and looking at the numbers here, they have not scored double digit runs yet. The most runs they've scored in a game all year was eight. And that was against Stanford in a midweek game. So not a prolific offense, but you also look at this thing too, not giving up many runs either. So we should expect them to pitch it pretty well. I mean, just based off early returns, just looking at these numbers, you'd expect these guys to pitch it well. Now, again, I don't know the quality of their opponents, with the exception of Stanford. You know the quality of that program out there. Uh, leading hitter for them is Rodney Green Jr., hitting 367. Only two guys hitting above 300 of the regulars. So not a very prolific offense, and the scores kind of bear that out. Uh, pitching standpoint here, looking at the uh, – Starts Ian May, his two starts, one and zero record, had a shutout. That's interesting. Eight hits and in fourteen innings pitched, ten strikeouts, two walks. Uh, Tucker Bougie, Bogey maybe, two point five three ERA, one and zero record, two starts, also had a no decision. He's thrown ten point two innings pitched, allowed seven hits, four runs, three of them earned, uh, two walks, seven Ks. So it looks like this is like a pitch-to-defense type thing. Like, we're going to pitch to contact. They've only struck out 52 hitters. That's not a real gaudy number. But considering that some of these starters, of course, have had multiple starts, uh, not even averaging a strikeout per inning. So, But the opponent's batting average is the thing that jumps out. As a team, you know, opponents are hitting 218 against them. So probably a typical West Coast baseball team that's going to pitch to contact and let their defense play behind them. And I hope we score enough runs to hang uh, runs to hang on here. So could be runs be at a premium on Sunday. And so maybe uh, having Landon Gartman go for us is a good thing. You know, we got to be able to defend. Got to be able to defend. One thing that I always look at too for these West Coast teams: bunning. West Coast baseball does it a lot. They don't really run the bases that hard at Cal. Seven stolen bases and seven attempts. It's kind of opportunistic, but just two sacrifice hits. And again, it's like, hey, who in this lineup really scares you? You know, they got a couple guys that have got a couple home runs, but they'll only hit eight as a team. They've only allowed four. And I suspect there won't be a lot of home runs hit out in Frisco. You hit one out of there, you're really you're, you're, you're bringing it for sure. And, uh, yeah, the weather itself is always interesting this time of year. But looking at the extended forecast, Friday, the lows in the 40s, highs in the 60s. Saturday, same thing, really all week. You know, Sunday, the high will be up at 75. So, supposed to have sunshine all three days, which should make for some great pictures, but also some great baseball, right? They will have some rain in the forecast today and uh, tomorrow. But if you're looking at, on the fence about going, it looks like you're going to have nice weather. We had amazing weather in Pearl last night. You could wear your short sleeves and, and be cool but not cold. You could put on a hoodie and be warm, but not hot. It was a wonderful night. They did a great job uh, putting that thing together. But uh, we're going to find out a lot about our team this weekend. Of course, these are some helmet sticker type things. I mean, you look at Ohio State and say, you know what? I don't know that they can score unless we go walk the ballpark. Oklahoma, you know, we've had some recent meetings with them in postseason play. You know the quality of that program. They're going to be joining the SEC. And then, of course, Cal. And so, you know, this is not like we're going out there and playing, you know, some teams that are just also rans. We're going to go out there and play some teams that are going to have some dudes. And these are all Power 5 programs that uh, 
I don't know how many fans they bring. I suspect that we should be able to go over there and take over that place. It's kind of interesting, too. I'm going to look at some numbers here together, right? If we just kind of look at this together, I think you'll enjoy this. Because I think you can make a difference. So looking at the attendance, Cal, their home series last weekend against Cal Poly, they had 350 people come to the game. You get into the next day, 774. Double up there. I mean, goodness gracious. And then 774 the next day. I think somebody may have just transposed the score there. But uh, my point being, this is a big-time venue. And many of these teams are not used to playing in front of the kind of crowds that we can bring. So all of you Bulldogs that are in that area, or maybe you're on the fence about going, I encourage you to come out. I'm, I'm in Oklahoma, I looked at them earlier, they're averaging about 1,400. That's Oklahoma baseball, man. I mean, it's like – the thing that I think about with these new schools coming in, Texas, of course, is Texas, right? I mean, you, they support baseball. They, they love baseball there. But I don't think anybody is really ready for what they see, what they're going to see in the SEC. Maybe I'm naive. I just don't think that's the case. I, I don't, you know, what we do at, here in LSU and Arkansas and Ole Miss, I just don't think people can fully appreciate what they're going to see week in and week out in the Southeastern Conference. I got Oklahoma's numbers right here in front of me. So, 1405, and then 1261, 1635, 1250, 377 last week against Ryder, 378, 908. I mean, we have that many people in line for the bathroom, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's insanity to think about that, for sure. And we talked about, you know, the, the Cal thing. But, uh, you know, Ohio State, I mean, goodness gracious, I mean, they've barely even played any home games. And who's going to go turn out and watch a bad team play in cold weather? Just doesn't happen very often, right? So, of course, they played those first few games down there in Florida, and then they went out and played in Phoenix. So, that you know, they have not played a game in front of their home fans. So, they're going to be used to playing, you know, I would assume – in front of sparse crowds. And this is where, again, I think you can make a difference. Last night when Mississippi State was getting ready to make their run, the fans took over the game. Pretty impressive stuff. You know, when the team needed you, you were there. And as my hoarseness can attest, I was one of you. But real quickly here, look at the Ohio State numbers. It's, again, these box scores. I don't know why we can't just put a box score up. But um, – I don't know, they see it differently to me, I guess. But um, I finally got it up here. Apologies for that. I was ill-prepared. This was kind of an add-on here at the end of the show. But uh, UConn played Ohio State down in that Snowbird Classic. They had, according to them, 3,685. So pretty nice crowd there. And then turn around the next day and have 307. So it's crazy. Uh, the third game is 522. Makes you wonder if maybe they didn't give some tickets away. 176 in game four of the Snowbird Classic. Of course, they report 3,000 the first day, and then whatever. They go out to Phoenix. They have 1621 the first day, 330 the next day. You kind of get where I'm going here. 2380 at Grand Canyon, you know, so good for them. 
and then against the Gonzaga, they have 307. And so, you know, it's a lot to detailed account of what everybody's faced, but they haven't faced anything like what we will bring, even on the road. And so those of you that are going to be in attendance, we need you to be vocal. We need you to be excited. We need you to be there for the Diamond Dogs. And be loud. It's going to be good weather. Great venue. What could be better? And Mississippi State's now won three games in a row. Keys to victory. Throw strikes. Make the routine play. Swing to bat. Simple as that. I'm excited to get there. And, again, it's a busy week for me. Lot, lot, lot going on. But uh, I'm eager to get back to Frisco. They do a great job with that event. If you're on the fence about going, I encourage you to get off the fence and make some plans. Absolutely. I know a lot of people are like, well, I just want to wait and see how they're, they're going. You know, we made our plans yesterday. We're going to head up to Lexington, too. You know, I, I told Mike Nemeth, as bad as we played on Friday, I said, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to go do all this road baseball if we're going to have another season like we did last year. Now we've bounced back. We're starting to play a little bit better. And, again, last night was, was more like what we showed against VMI in game uh, one. Or game two, excuse me. Game, yeah, game one, whatever it was. You know, the bad game against VMI and UL Monroe, it was a lot more like what we saw last night. And we're able to overcome it, but you can't count on that. You can't count on that. We have got to, to execute the fundamental elements of baseball, which is throwing strikes and making the routine play. And last night we, we struggled doing that and still managed to win the game. So we, in many respects, we stole a win last night. But like Jim Moorhead used to say, we're not going to accept in victory, but we wouldn't accept in defeat. If we had lost that ball game last night, the story would have been, you know, the dozen free passes. Well, that's still the story, in my estimation, because I'm looking at the bigger picture. Yes, that big four-run eight made the difference. And, yes, it showed that we have some intestinal fortitude. And, yes, we have some grit and some toughness. It does. But it's amazing how the offense picked up when the pitching was better. Right? When we played clean. It's a team game. You put a lot more pressure on yourself when you step into the box when you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to come through right here because we're not going to be able to hold them. It all works together. The collective psyche of a baseball team is one of the most intriguing things in the world because it seems like when one thing goes wrong, it impacts all of them. It's crazy how that works. But we did win the game. I'm very fortunate to win the game. And, again, a tip of the cap to, to the Bulldogs that came all through in the eighth inning there and, and – uh, Nate Dome did a great job for us. Tyson Harden did a great job for us. Thought he got squeezed a little bit. And there's a lot of talk about how there's an epidemic with walks in, in uh, college baseball right now. Well, you know, based on what we've seen from Cal pitching, I don't know if that's really the case. So we're going to go out there and work the count and look for something to hit. But more times than not, when you see those teams like that, they're throwing a lot of sinkers, they're getting under barrels, they're forcing you to hit their pitch and beat the ball on the ground with the defense work. So – we're going to find out a lot about our team this weekend. But uh, before we even get to that, you know, of course, I encourage you to turn in and watch the women play uh, on Thursday against Texas A&M. And then on Saturday, of course, uh, if you're in the greater Nashville area or within a reasonable driving distance, go out there and, and support the Bulldogs. Just think if we could have a winning weekend, right? Let's say we get a couple wins in the SEC Women's Tournament. We can sit back and feel good about life. You get a win this weekend, I don't think anything matters in – Nashville next week, you'd like to win a game, but if you don't have to, you post a winning weekend in baseball, I think this time, you know, Monday of next week, we can feel really good about kind of where we sit. And it's good that, hey, things are trending in the right direction in every aspect. 
But uh, I'm more concerned about baseball right now than I'm men or women's basketball. Because I think those two teams have done enough at this point to, to show their identity. You know, the baseball aspect of it, you know, we've shown some flashes, but we're a little bit uh, bipolar at times. And, you know, and some of the guys, too, that I saw some numbers earlier that the uh, majority of our walks have come from, like, four different pitchers. You know, you can't just give up on them as early in the year. you got to continue to work with them in bullpens, and you got to get them in practice. And you got to, you know, cause at some point we're going to need one of those guys to step up and, and make a play. And I, you know, I remember, too, back in 2018, as bad as things got. I remember so many people, like Keegan James is a guy that I remember. And there were a lot of people that kind of beat up on Keegan James. But down the stretch, he found something. And we do not go to Omaha without Keegan James. Keegan James, winning pitcher in the Super Regional at Vanderbilt that sent us to Omaha. Now, he could have quit. He could have said, oh, you know, the fans are saying negative things about me on social media. And any other staff could have quit on him too. They didn't. And so I, I share that because it is a long season. And we can't just ride the same five or six pitchers through a 50-plus game schedule and expect those guys to be fresh late. You're going to have to have some guys eat up some innings in the midweek and find something. And they're on, they're on scholarship too. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a responsibility here. So we got to make sure that we've getting that handled. But you can't give up on them. That doesn't mean you got to throw them out there in a uh, <clears throat> pressure-packed situation just yet. That's what these midweek games are for, right? To get those guys some innings. But um, I just encourage you because at some point, that guy that you're tweeting about, that guy that you're beating up on social media, that guy you're posting on the message board, at some point, there will come a time during this season you're going to need that guy to step up and make a play for you. You're going to need it. And your tweets aren't going to help that. It may make you feel better in the moment. It's not good for Mississippi State. It's not good for baseball. It's really not good for humanity, to be quite honest with you. Well, I'm, just, I'm a real one. Well, you know, are you? Are you really? No, you're not. So either we're part of this as a family or we're not. That's not to say that we won't argue among ourselves, but uh, to get on social media and take shots at our players, it's just uh, it's not anything I'm ever going to support. Right, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com and get a copy of Dogpile. You can get it signed. You get it personalized. Many of you are already thinking about Father's Day coming up. Maybe you've got a graduation gift. Maybe you've got some you know, Mississippi State baseball fanatics will be graduating this spring. It's about 70 days away from graduation. Amazing, right? Go to dogpilethebook.com. You get all my sports books there. It's Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, and Dogpile, of course. If you're looking for Bloomsville Leander, you can find that online at uh, barnesandnoble.com, booksmillion.com, amazon.com, or through your local bookstore. If you need Stark Villains gear, and chances are you do, go to starkvillains.com and get a wide assortment of T-shirt and hoodies. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>